moved our thoughts from the book of Colossians to the book of Acts now, and uh, we're starting in, uh, with a, uh, a sermon to listen to. It's a, a longer reading, but it's from the book of Acts chapter 2, and it's, it's the first sermon from, uh, from Peter, the first sermon in the book of Acts, so it's, it's definitely worth listening to, very powerful. Uh, well, it was on that first day, so Leon's going to read us, uh, and it will, read it to us, and there will be, it will be on the screens as well, but please follow along. So beginning at verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowds. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the, great, the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. <laughs> Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you even through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was, not, it was impossible for death to keep him, keep Sorry, it's hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and is buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what has come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David 
did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool, for my, a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from the corrupt, this corrupt generation. Those who, act, who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Well, we come today to, to look at that wonderful passage. The title today is 3,000 Lives Transformed. And that's what always jumps out when I read this passage. 3,000 people had their lives transformed. Their lives were changed. This is an inspiring and a powerful account from the Bible. 3,000 people who were far from God's. That's over half of Koroa. 3,000 people that were so far from God and yet all of a sudden they hear and they understand Jesus. 3,000 people came that day not knowing what to expect and yet they were led to, to repent and to be baptized. 3,000 people who were so far from God and yet they received God's forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was an incredible day. And it was not simply some, some moving words that were spoken that day. We can't just put it down to say it was just the words. Because it is evident that this was the work of God. Everything that took place this day was the work of God. Everything that had taken place beforehand in Jesus was the work of God. And now the church was being formed as God was working. This was God's plan and it was coming about. Peter gets up in this day. And if you've, you've had a chance to look beforehand, something amazing had just taken place beforehand. This rushing wind had come upon them as God's Spirit came in and he had, God's Spirit had fallen upon the, the, the believers at that time, a group of about 120, and they were able to, to all of a sudden praise God in a special way in new languages. And so the people came rushing in to see what was taking place on this day of Pentecost. All the people coming in and God was working. So Peter, as he starts this sermon, he starts where the people were at. He was saying, these people aren't drunk. That's not what's going on. What's taking place is the work of God. God is at work here and now. God's Spirit is moving here and He is changing hearts and He is gifting people with this gift of speech. 
because people were praising God in foreign languages. People from all these different nationalities were hearing God's praise in their own native tongue. It was an amazing thing. And Peter says, this is a miracle from God that is taking place. It had been promised beforehand in the Old Testament through the prophet Joel. And now it was happening right now. And so he's making it clear that this is God moving. God is at work. And that's the starting point for Peter. He wants to make it clear that what is going on is God. God is working and he is working his plans. And I just wanted us to stop for a moment to think what a wonderful thing for us to learn from when we talk to others. If we found the truth of God and the the power of God in, in Jesus, then what a way to start as we think about sharing Jesus with others. Recognizing what God is doing in our midst and telling it. Recognizing what God is doing and making it clear that this is the work of God. That they might see God, that they might understand God, that they might have questions answered. For us today, it's unlikely that we're going to see the day of Pentecost take place again. But there are other things that we can point people to. Things every day. A great starting point when we have conversations is to look out on God's beautiful creation. To look out on the beauty of nature. The amazing things that we can see. The big and the small. Maybe a waterfall or or looking across to the hills. And we can say that this is the work of God. This is God's handiwork. He is the beautiful creator, and he is magnificent for what he has made. Another starting point when we talk to people would be to talk about changed lives. What a powerful testimony to say that, that this person has had their life changed. I can say that my life has been changed. I hope that you can say that your life has been changed by the work of God. We can declare what God has done in our own individual experience, and we can declare that that change has come about because of Jesus, his ways. We can also, as a starting point, if we're going to have a chat to people, talk about the worldly pleasures around us and how they don't satisfy. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with someone and they can be, well, I was so looking forward to this, but it just didn't really meet my needs. So I was having this holiday, but it didn't come to, to plan. I was looking forward to this, but it didn't truly satisfy. Well, what a great opportunity to share that there is a reality which is far greater that always satisfies the reality of our loving God, our Jesus. Or maybe people, um, a starting point would be the concerning things that people see, all the corruption in the world, the evil patterns and systems that are in place, how poorly people behave to one another. And it's right to say, well, it's good that we can see these things because we desire something better. And that something better can only be found in God's. Maybe another place that we can, can recognize the work of God is, is when people are feeling down, when they're feeling guilty, when they've done something that they regret or their actions, we can recognize that that is a, a reality because it is before God that we have these feelings of guilt, before our perfect God. There are many ways that we can recognize that God is God And that we can point people to him. Because God's goodness, God's salvation, God's work, God's power, God's love, God's plan, it needs to be realized by people. 
And the true answer to our greatest heart's desire and our greatest needs is always found in Jesus Christ and in Jesus alone. And that's exactly where Peter goes. He starts by saying that what's happening on that day of Pentecost was the work of God. And then he makes it clear that everything has been happening so that the attention will go on to Jesus. If you'll look again at verse 22 with me for a moment. In verse 22, Peter declares these words after saying that this had been the work of God. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him and as you yourselves know. From acknowledging that God was at work, he acknowledges that God has worked powerfully through his son, Jesus. That Jesus was the answer to every need. Because in Jesus, we see God at work. Yes, he was a real man that had been in the midst of these people, but we see what he had done publicly was incredible. Miracles, wonders and signs, all done by Jesus. So that people could know God. They could find the truth of God. What I think is incredible is that the people recognized that that Jesus had done this, but they hadn't believed in him yet. They'd seen all these miracles and wonders, and yet it hadn't become clear. But Peter continues to say, Jesus is so much more. Look to Jesus. In verse 23, he continues by saying these words. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. He gets to the cross. He says, yes, there was the life of Jesus and that was incredible. But you, with the help of wicked men, you put Jesus on the cross. It was always going to be God's plan, but you put him there. That was the sin that that put him on that cross. The cross was central, but so too and so much more of this message was on the resurrection. He talks about the cross, but he quickly moves to what was realized in Jesus coming to life. Jesus dying, that real death was never the end. In verse 24, he says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. What a picture. Death had no hold on Jesus Christ. And yes, Jesus was God's chosen one. And yes, he had to die, but that was never the future for Jesus to remain dead. The powerful work of God was to bring life to his promised one. Jesus would not decay in the grave. Jesus would not be among the dead. Jesus was the risen one. And they were eyewitnesses to it. Indeed, Peter quotes King David as saying that David had prophesied that that Jesus was going to be the one to come who would not rot in the grave. This was promised beforehand in the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus would not decay away, but that he would find life. And the disciples in verse 32 or towards then, it says that they were eyewitnesses to this. They had seen it with their own eyes. They had seen Jesus come alive. And so they wanted to proclaim that truth to the people. They wanted to get the message of Jesus out there. 
And it continues. If we go down to verse 32, once it is made clear that that Jesus is the risen one, he says these words, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Exalted to the right of Jesus, that is, has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. What a picture we see. Jesus himself has risen and then ascended up to heaven into that glorious position at God's right-hand side. A picture that Jesus has been given God's blessing in an even greater way as he's taken up to heaven and to that position of glory in heaven, all of which had once again been promised beforehand by God. And then in verse 36, he rounds it all off, this beautiful picture of Jesus. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made known, has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. What a picture. Jesus Christ as Lord and Messiah. What a picture of Jesus Christ. Who was he? He was a person that had lived, a real person, and he was a person that had done miracles in their midst, signs and wonders that they had all seen. Some of them had probably even received a miracle, a healing or a touch from heaven. And then the work of the cross took place. And it was evil people that put Jesus on that cross. And yet Jesus did not decay away. He was the risen one, the risen one who had been affirmed beforehand that he would rise. And then Jesus is the one that was ascended up to heaven, to God's, uh, maybe, to God's right hand, that position of, of honor. This was all God's plan, and it was all about Jesus. So Peter doesn't not beating around the books. Bush. He's not talking about other things. He just gets straight his focus onto what's matter, what matters, and that, of course, is Jesus Christ, whom God has made both Lord and Messiah. And this is the Jesus that we are to believe in because it's the one that the apostles believed in. It is the one that the Bible affirms. The truth of Jesus is affirmed in the Word of God. And Jesus was the one who God sent to save people, the one to bring life to people. And this is what the apostles declared, and so we should care about the Jesus that is talked about here. We ourselves should look to this Jesus and ourselves believe and trust. And this is the Jesus that we should pass on to other people. Because this is the Jesus that changes lives. Because every single person who is alive has to make a choice when it comes to Jesus. We all have to choose whether we're going to to keep going our own way and just ignore or reject Jesus, or whether we will believe and put our trust in Him whether we will say yes to Jesus Christ and yes to this beautiful work of God. And that's exactly what the crowd had to do in this situation after the sermon was preached or this message. In verse 37, we see that. If you will look there for a moment with me. When the people heard this, this is the truth of Jesus. They were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, What shall we do? 
the crowd was moved that day as they heard the truth spoken about Jesus. They were cut to the heart. Their hearts were pierced because they realized that they had missed the work of God. They had missed the, who God was and what God had done through his son Jesus. And they were deeply impacted. And they said, what, what can we do? Because we know that we have rejected Jesus. We put him on that cross, for goodness gracious, what should we do? And Peter was so clear in verse 38 what they should do as they recognized that they had ignored God and what they'd done to his son Jesus. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What a picture. They were told that they could find forgiveness and healing, that they could find help from God and His Holy Spirits if they would repent and believe, if they would repent and be baptized. To repent, to repent means that we are moving away from God in the wrong direction. We say sorry and we turn back to God and, and choose in our hearts to say yes to God and His ways. It is more than just saying sorry. It is actually making a choice in our heart to say yes to God. And notice how they were not only just to repent and to say sorry to God, but they are also to be baptized. Baptism is important. It's affirmed here. The apostle says it was very important because people were identifying with Jesus in their baptism. Most of these people were Israelites, and for them, to be baptized was a huge deal. And in front of everyone to say, well, I'm changing my allegiance to the old way, to the new way in Jesus. And so to do that publicly was a big deal. Jewish people didn't normally get baptized. They didn't do it because it was, a, it was for the foreigners to do, if they wanted to come into the Jewish way. So it was a humiliating thing to get baptized in front of people. But they always said, I'm going to do this today because I found my new allegiance and my hope in Jesus Christ. And so we see the work of God in this powerful way, because it wasn't just one or five people that day, as I said at the start. It was 3,000 people who were moved to say sorry for their sins, to turn to God and be baptized. And so it was a powerful day, because lots of people recognized the work of God, and they were forgiven, and they received the Holy Spirit. And that response is the right response. And my hope is that in your hearts that you will say yes to Jesus this morning. That if your heart has wandered away from Jesus or away from God, if you've turned away from Him, the invitation of Jesus is for today. For you to believe and receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. To receive God's mercy and kindness. Because then through the work of Jesus that his whole life, the whole gospel, the whole good news of Jesus, as Peter has declared here, it changes lives. And may we open up our hearts to receive that truth this morning, to say yes to Jesus. Because as we think through Jesus, it's important to recognize that it wasn't only the sins of the people back then that put Jesus on the cross, but it was also our sins. Our sins were before Jesus on that cross. Because we also have let God down, each of us. And we need his forgiveness and mercy. And the only way we find that 
is by believing and repenting of our sins before Jesus Christ. May our hearts say yes to Jesus. In verse 40, Peter continues after he said this, and he said, with many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with, pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. These are words for today as well. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Look around. This world is not how it should be. It is corrupt and evil out there. There are not many good things taking place at all. Save yourselves and look to God and His work and you will find eternal life and the hope of heaven. The solution to our heart's desires is not out in this world. It is not out in the brokenness. It is in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. He is the only way to find healing and life. It is in Jesus. The Bible is clear. May our hearts be clear that it is in Jesus Christ that we turn this morning and that we find salvation, that we are saved. We all need to be saved. And as it says, those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 back then, why not that many today? Why could it not happen again? Why could there not be thousands of people around this world today who turn to Jesus Christ and find salvation, who find life? I know it's my heart's desire to see many people turning to Jesus and finding life in Him. And I hope that that's your heart's desire. But I think there's a challenge for us who have received Jesus to take Jesus out and to proclaim him clearly to others as i was saying before we can talk about the work of god but we also need to talk about jesus to those around us in jesus is the only way that people can be saved so may we truly care about those around us and tell of jesus to them tell it clearly as it does it here focus on his life on his cross on the resurrection on the ascension, all these truths of Jesus are the gospel. It's all about Jesus. The whole picture of the gospel is everything that happened to Jesus. And it all points to the work of God. And it all points to how people can find eternal life in Jesus. And it was all affirmed in the Old Testament. It's all affirmed in the New Testament. It all points to Jesus and it all brings about life. So may we be people of Jesus who share the treasure we have. Let's pray. Our Lord God, how we thank you for your work. We thank you that you are working in this world, that you are working in Cairo at the moment. Lord, we pray that you will help each of us here to recognize your work and to see what you are doing at this very time. That Lord, you will give us words to speak as we, as we talk to others about Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that this morning that you will affirm the truth of Jesus in our hearts. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that would like to open up their hearts to Jesus, then Lord, may you open their hearts. May you help them to see Jesus. May you help them to see the gospel and to be saved. And may you help each of us to see Jesus in a greater light this morning. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.